we're back. Rosie, how have you been? I am fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm good. Just glad that we've got the podcast up and running again. How are you? I'm I am good. I'm good. So so a long winter. It's always a long winter. But what what have you been up to? I decided that I was going to sign up for a marathon, Jake. So what I've been doing is just running and eating. And not really caring about the eating because I've been running. So justifying the eating with my running, which I don't think is really a good thing. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll skip. Marathon is a word that is a trigger word for me at the moment. So um, I wish I'd decided to do a half marathon. But anyway, we'll just leave that. Yeah, this is something that we uh, definitely need to return to, I think, in future episodes. Uh, but tell me about the latest thing that's coming out, which is the Cricket website. Yes, so it's very exciting. So hopefully by this time that this comes out, um, I'm sure some people will have seen on social media um, that we are launching our Cricket website and the registration for that will open up at at 10 a.m. on International Women's Day, which is today, Tuesday. So feel free to go over to the website if you're interested in it. We've got quite a lot of cricket clubs in Scotland doing it. We've had interest from Cricket Ireland have, have, have got into it as well. And so we've just decided to roll it out worldwide, really. Um, I'm really excited and hopefully we'll get more cricket clubs and, and organisations and hopefully even in counties and things like that do, doing cricket Um and if you don't know about the programme, you can go and check out the website or type in Google Cricket. Definitely <laughs> do that. Do that. It's a, it's mean, a fantastic programme. Fantastic programme. Yeah. No, thanks, Jake. And I want to ask you, how's your book going? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's been my that's been my winter job, co-writing a, a new book with, uh, with, with Gary Heatley. It's out in June. Uh, so it's all done. It's with the the publishers at the moment. So we're... We're very excited about that, and um, yeah, looking forward to uh, to, the, to that coming out. It's called Playing with Teeth, um, all about uh, about Scottish cricket. So um, I will no doubt be wanging on about that a good deal in the future. <laughs> we'll see. But it's fantastic to kick off our new season with what is always one of our favourite episodes, our International Women's Day special. So let's get going. I'm Jake Berry, and I'm Rosie Ryan, and this is the Cricket Scotland podcast. Funky new music. Funky. Funky. I don't know why I'm using like a New Yorkshire. Is that Yorkshire accent? It like, sounds fairly like Yorkshire. Funky. Fairly Yorkshire. Yes. Funky new music. Yeah. But for this very special show, we have three very special guests. Three of Scotland's young stars who will be giving us an insight into their lives away from cricket as well as with the team. It's a time of change for the Wildcats at the moment with the head coach Mark Coles' departure last month. But the team has made some huge strides of late. With the historic T20 World Cup European qualifiers in Lamanga last year and their trip to Kuala Lumpur for the Commonwealth Games qualifiers at the start of this year. All-rounder Megan McCall and off-spinner Catherine Fraser have been at the heart of the action, grabbing the headlines with some standout performances. And at the end of last week, they told us all about it. Megan and Catherine, welcome both. It's great to see you. And uh, 
it's wonderful to be able to speak to you after what's been a, a record-breaking few months for you both, uh, Megan and Lemanga. Of course, those uh, fantastic figures of five for three in four overs against France, a record for a Scottish woman in any form of international cricket. And then Catherine in Malaysia, where you became our highest ever wicket taker in T20 internationals. Um, let's start with the most recent of those and that qualifier for the Commonwealth Games in Malaysia. Catherine, how was that experience? Yeah, it was really good fun. Obviously, really different conditions to anything we've faced before. You know, the heat, the humidity, slightly different pitch with the way it turned. But um, great experience to be able to play against uh, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. And then Malaysia and Kenya, two teams we've not played against before. And um, Megan as well. I guess it didn't quite turn out the way that we'd we'd hoped for you. You didn't manage to get one game in the end. What happened? Yeah, uh, no, nah, it was. I managed to get in the in the warm up game against Bangladesh, uh, and then sadly during the batting innings, um, you know, I was just doing my thing, and then I came off at the end, and I had uh, pulled my quad. Uh, so yeah, that ruled me out for the whole the whole competition which was it was gotten but I still still learnt still learnt a lot being on the side. How are you recovering after that as well, Megan? Oh, I mean I'm I'm all fit now. Um you know, I've not done any cricket and anything for like about like the whole like month and that we've been back and you know, I've just been able to get back into the gym recently which has been good so I'm excited to start training and stuff like that again. I mean it was such a shame after everything that had gone on before you know and the build-up and the high hopes that we took uh into that competition with everything that happened both both on the field and and off I mean starting with that uh, I mean you'd had experience of bubble life in Ireland at the start of the of the summer so how was that uh how was that quarantine experience for you Megan? Well I mean it definitely wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be like you know pre pre going away and that I definitely was like proper thinking about it like how am I going to get through seven days like in a room like all the time like not getting out um so I definitely thought it was going to be hard but it was definitely not as bad as I thought it was going to be we had a lot of uh like we had a lot of things planned as a team which helped kind of break your day out um and I kind of just planned my days so I had stuff so I had like a time schedule that so I, I wasn't sitting around doing nothing I always had something to think about which made made the days move quicker and and at, at least you weren't in your room all the time yeah yeah so because eventually we got out for training i think maybe day four uh, which all of us were quite surprised about in in the first place but obviously because we hadn't left our room for the first like three days like i just didn't expect my key not to work and when went out for training came back and yeah there was like a few days that i was stuck outside but there was that that one day I remember coming back from training and I was stuck outside for three hours in the corridor eating my lunch. Uh, you know, I had about the, the the hotel staff, they weren't really in a rush to, to come let me in. So I had maybe three people come up with master keys and it wasn't working. And eventually I managed to get in the maintenance guy. screwdriver. Came, yeah, with a screwdriver, the maintenance guy came up which I actually became really good friends with because I saw him about three days every time we went out for training. So I was I was really good friends with him by the end of it. But yeah, um, that was 
that was an experience, definitely one to remember. Megan, it sounds like you needed to just take that uh, screwdriver and keep it <laughs> by the sounds of it. Um, and how about you, Catherine? A bit of a change in temperature from what you'd left behind, but how else did you find quarantine and, and the weather and the heat as well? Yeah, I mean, quarantine, I think I was sort of pacing myself for the full seven days, so that was a nice surprise um, to get let out and go and train uh, those days that we weren't expecting. Um, I had plenty of schoolwork to keep me going. Um, watched a few things on Prime, a couple of sports documentaries, a few films, etc. So, yeah, I managed to keep myself occupied. And then once we got out... Um, just slowly getting acclimatised to those conditions. Um, it wasn't as bad as I think I'd psyched myself up for it to be. So, yeah, it was, it was still a challenge. And, I mean, on to the, the games themselves, talking about getting getting outside. And starting with you, Catherine, really, I mean, a, a rare chance to play more full-member opposition, uh, Sri Lanka, that we'd never played before. I mean, how important was that to see as much as anything where the bar of these teams is. Yeah, so getting to play against Sri Lanka is obviously something we've not experienced before and Chimari Atapati just blazed it everywhere and that was amazing to see. Um, at some point you just had to admire the innings she played um, but definitely learned a lot from that sort of both tactically and on a skills level and hopefully we can you know, start to implement that in our own games. And where would you see, say, the main kind of difference lies? What's the thing that we need to find to start compete with those teams on a more equal basis, do you think, Megan? I think fielding is like a huge thing, like in cricket in any in any kind of like team. But I think like when you see like the higher ranked teams, when they field like it is, like they do just, they do feel to high standard. And I think as a team, we like quite pride ourselves on our field and being at, at a good standard. But I always think that's something that we can keep working on. Um, but I just think like that as a team, we all have the skills to 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 play against these higher ranked teams. I do just think it's just believing and like, you know, there is some days things don't go your way and there is days that, that it does go your way. Um, but I just think that like, if we keep believing and we keep getting the opportunities to play these higher-ranked teams, I definitely think we're not far away from from beating them at all. Yeah, and, and as we were saying earlier, there was a huge amount of hope going into the tournament after what had been a really good uh, summer for the side. I mean, headlined by that that win. It was probably the biggest in our history, that victory in the in the Europe qualifier for the T20 World Cup in, in La Manga. What are your your memories, Megan, of of that tournament? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, winning the whole thing was was amazing. Like, and I think like beating Ireland in that tournament, like that was definitely a highlight. It was definitely, you know, a, a game that everyone was sitting on their edge of the seats by the end of it. Um, but I just think when when we beat Ireland, like that was, it was one of the main highlights of the tournament. But of course, playing France at the end and getting the figures that I got against them obviously is something that I'll never forget in that tournament and it just felt it felt good being able to help the team you know secure the the win of the whole tournament in the end so yeah but those are probably the two main highlights of the tournament for myself 
Yeah, I mean that that Ireland win was 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 huge, and I mean having gone from beating them once in our in our history to now what three times in two years, twice in three months, really over over last summer, both of you played in in those three games as well. I mean, Catherine, it must be a huge confidence boost to be competing now on, on an increasingly level playing field with a with a full member. Yeah, definitely. I think we probably learned a lot from that series at the start of this year in May, uh, start of the season in May, um, and we're able to implement that in the game against Ireland in Womanka. Um, it was such a nail-biting game, you know, it went right down to the wire. Um, but yeah, it's so exciting and we're seeing some really good signs for the future. So this is our International Women's Day special and it's great to give everyone a sense of your lives away from cricket as well. And you're both in full-time education. Catherine, you're at MES studying in fifth or sixth year now? Um, fifth year, yeah. Fifth year. And how do you fit cricket around that with, with your studies? Yeah, it's a bit hectic. Um, I think it's just a case of being really on top of studies, uh, getting work done as soon as it's been given to you. Um, but yeah, it's it can be quite challenging at times. Obviously, this is a big year with my hires. Um, so yeah, um, I'll just maintaining that work-life cricket balance is <laughs> very important. So Megan, you're also, you're at Napier University. What are you studying again and how how do you manage it? So I'm in my third year of sport and exercise science. Um, so I think from being able to do school and cricket from like a young age, I think it has kind of went into uni as well. Um, so it's been challenging, like I can't lie, being in third year now, like it's been a real big step up from my first and second year in uni. Uh, and I did struggle a lot, um, kind of like after we got back from Lamanga, like for Christmas, had a lot of like assessments during that. And it was, it was tough, like trying to manage it both. And I did have to kind of step away from cricket for like a few weeks to just kind of get, get back on track and stuff like that. But it's just, it's one of these things like, you know, we all, we all do it. A lot of us that are in education, we all have to kind of try and manage it. And it's just, you know, at the end of the day, for most of us, cricket, it does come first. Like, it's like, it, it can't in a way because your education is supposed to, but we all probably do put cricket before everything else. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, we just get on with it and we love playing cricket, so I guess it's just something that we all do. And where do your ambitions lie for both of you beyond where you are just now. I mean, we've we've seen how things are improving for female cricketers across the board in recent times. Um, with the hundred as a great example, you know, three Scottish players down there uh, last year. Number that we we obviously hope will be will be growing this time round. So, what are your your long term ambitions, cricket wise, and um, maybe in your wider careers uh, as well? Yeah, obviously, the hundred had such an amazing impact last summer. So many people who wouldn't otherwise have got involved in cricket and get really getting into it. So, you know, that would be something I would love to be involved in. Um, that's definitely a goal of mine over the next few years. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'm 
just want to see where cricket takes me really um professionalism would be a dream of mine but we'll just have to wait and see keep working hard see what happens like Catherine said I would ideally love to become professional it is something that I have thought about like I do want to try and put cricket first once I finish uni and see how far I can get um I guess it's one of these things that you have to try and take the opportunities that you get given like at times um but who knows um hopefully like Catherine said like I, I can get the chance in the hundreds as well like I would I would love that to try and play in like some sort of a professional competition would be would be fun I think and who knows maybe maybe we'll get contracts um for Scotland in the future as well we never know um but yeah that's probably what I'm what I'm thinking Megan McCall and Catherine Fraser. Hannah Rainey is another of Scotland's brightest stars, a talented seamer whose return to full fitness from a knee injury was one of the biggest pluses of the summer. Rosie and I spoke to her about the summer gone by and the one that lies ahead, as well as her life as a vet down south. So, Hannah, welcome back to the podcast. Um, Now, the last time we spoke, I seem to remember, was in a a corridor at MES uh, when we recorded... Oh, the International Women's Day podcast back in 2020, just before the lockdown. And you were still studying at that point in the, the Dick Vet School, not so very far from where I'm sitting just now. But now you graduated, working as a vet down in Cumbria. Tell us about that. Tell us about your days. Um, yeah, feels like time's flown, actually, in the last few years. Um, yeah, so now I'm working in Cumbria as a mixed vet. But most of the stuff I'm doing at the moment is sort of large animal focused, so livestock and horses really so so hannah right livestock horses this is not my area of expertise so please tell me what like a typical day for you is or is it different every day what's today been like so yeah there's no such thing as typical day um every day is a little bit different kind of start day at half eight come into work see what's been booked in or what's been happening overnight you know there's always a vet on the night before so sometimes they're out in the morning first thing and we have to cover their their sort of work um but yeah came into work at 8 30 this morning um didn't have much on the first half now so just able to get on with a bit of admin like reporting sort of results from tests that we've run on farms so ringing farmers and letting them know what's going on um and then i had two emergencies um on sheep that i had to sort out and so they came into the practice which was nice didn't have to drive out to them um, and I won't, I won't give you the details because it was a vaginal prolapse. I don't feel that's appropriate to say on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, uh, so yeah, after that, I think I got called out to a lambing. So I went out to a farm and had a sheep that was lambing and, um, both of its legs were back. So normally they come out with their head and toes. Um, but it's, legs were all stuck so I had to sort that out and get the lamb out and thankfully it was alive um, and kicking <laughs> when it came out so uh, that was good um, I think I went straight on from that to another one similar situation just um, was quite a small a small sheep and the farmer requested uh, a vet with small hands so <laughs> I was sent away <laughs> um, and yeah just just sort of fly between the visits really um, can be on the farm anywhere between like sort of half an hour and three hours at these sorts of things you never really know what's happening so yeah it's very varied um I normally finish my day at about half six um which is quite a long day um 
but yeah, it's just every day's different. We have lots of emergencies and now and again we get routine work in there as well. So it'll just be, you know, sampling for disease or um, doing sort of fertility work. So seeing if cows are pregnant or not. It's incredible. Sorry, that was probably really boring. Wow. <laughs> not, the, not at all. I was <laughs> going to say, it, that is amazing. I mean, so much that you're doing and long days, full days. How on earth yeah. can you fit cricket in around that? Um, yeah, it's a struggle. Um, I won't lie. It's not, it's not been easy to sort of find a new balance coming from uni where, you know, our hours were a lot more, I'd say, regular. Um, we didn't do really any out-of-hours work when we were at uni. So, um, or we, you know, you'd do a week at a time, but we would have a week a year rather than, you know, I have, I do one night on call a week and then one weekend in four. Um, so, yeah, it's challenging. I try and get my gym sort of work done before work, um, which means a nice alarm clock at 5.45, um, which is always a struggle. Um, and yeah, I think I get a half day once a week um, to make up for the night on call. So that usually is spent trying to fit in a bit of cricket where I can. Um, but yeah, it's not easy. I, I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't recommend it to anyone who wants to try it. Um, I think maybe pick a less intense job. Um, but also I wouldn't change it. Um, I love what I do and think it makes it a bit easier because like, no two days are the same at work. So keeps it interesting, keeps it different, keeps me fit. <laughs> a lot of it is spent walking around doing things. So, yeah. Well, Hannah, it never ceases to amaze me hearing all the things that you're doing and, and being an amazing role model at the same time as all this and sports person just competing it more and more against semi or full-time professional opponents whilst juggling all of this full-time work at the same time so first of all well done because that is amazing and what would you say out of all of that is is probably the, the biggest single challenge that you face yeah I think it'd probably just be um sometimes time but more like I would say energy like I think it's quite easy after a long day to be like, oh, don't want to go tonight or like don't want to go to the gym because, um, you know, you've had a tiring day. And I think for me, I, for me, it's all about habits. So like if I just have a habit of going to the gym or if I just make a routine of doing something, it's so much easier to do um, than if I like, you know, if, if you try and say, oh, I might go on a run later, like that's never going to happen. Like it just it has to be it has to be sort of. Um, in your routine and it's just part of what you do every day and then it's it's much easier um but yeah time is probably the biggest factor in that like just finding time to have a bit of downtime in amongst that because it's easy to fit in sort of work and cricket but if you try and put a bit of social time in there it throws the balance off all over again so yeah but it's important so it's a juggling act and what what's the motivator what is it that that keeps you going for me it's just the love of the game like I love playing cricket but I also love my job. So, you know, if an opportunity came up for me to play professional cricket, like I would obviously take it because at the end of the day, like cricket is, has a more short span, lifespan for me. You know, I'm not going to be playing until I'm 60, but I probably will be working as a vet until I'm 60. Um, so I want to do both um, and I'll try and do both to the best of my ability while I can. Um, and yeah, just love playing cricket. <laughs> just want to keep improving. Like I think I enjoy like, seeing myself and like my friends and teammates all get better at what we do it's like really cool to go and see that and I think like especially for me now I've been I've moved away from Edinburgh where I've been for the last like 10 years like I can go back and see like quite big differences in the players who've been working away like up in Edinburgh or just away at themselves like 
I see the I don't see them all the time, so I see the change more regularly or like more obviously. Not regularly, that's not the word. More obviously. Yeah. And and talking about that, talking about how the team has has evolved recently, um, I, I guess. I mean it was obviously a really difficult summer last year fixture wise, you know, with the pandemic effects still being felt, um, and so on. But one of the big silver linings of that was was how the the WPL the Women's Premier League um continued to develop uh, and also the regional series which underwent some some small but but really quite significant uh tweaks um how did all of that domestic cricket that you played particularly in the style of cricket that we saw in the in the regional series you know particularly with the bats you know how did all of that translate into what then happened with the national side? I'm thinking particularly of, of, of Lumanga. Yeah, for sure. I think it had a huge impact. Like, I think even even the impact of the WPL, um, so the Women's Premier League, would will have been actually quite significant because it gave the chance for the sort of the national team players to step up um, and you know show the next level up to the rest of cricket, but also like to to be relied upon a little bit to to put those performances in and and like play for your team and. I think it gave all you know all the squad members a bit of responsibility to you know make sure that they were performing and and although it seems probably quite subtle, um, I think it probably will have had a bigger impact than people realise and that that will have then come across in the Super Series and that's probably why the Super Series was so um, so effective and you know we did see scores on the board that we'd never seen before and maybe that was because people have been going out in the Premier League and tr- really trying to dominate and then coming into the Super Series had that you know time with the bat in particular like under their belt so oh time out in the middle I should say (laughs) um so yeah um I think the super series what was great about it was it was slightly this is maybe slightly counterintuitive but it was slightly less competitive in the sense that it wasn't east versus west which is quite you know or like the the rivalry um but it was like we were all playing to play the best cricket that was there and we wanted to show what we could do and like use the opportunity to really develop our skills and show showcase what we are capable of. Um, and at the end of the day, it didn't matter who won or lost because we were playing against each other to push each other to be better. Um, so I think, yeah, it was, it, obviously we all wanted to win, like we are all very competitive. Um, but, you know, it's probably quite telling that the, the end result was um, a draw. There was international cricket, though, and, and two pretty historic victories over full a full member, Ireland, there was a win at the start of summer and then the fantastic performances in the European qualifier for the T20 World Cup. Where would you say the team is at the moment? Um, I think the team's in a really, really good place. Yeah, I think I think we've maybe um, unleashed a bit of a belief that we are capable of beating these teams. And I think that's been a, quite an important factor. I think the skills have been maybe been there for a while, but we just haven't really known how to apply them in, in a game scenario. Um, and it's now, you know, that's the sort of thing that we're seeing a bit more regularly and we'll have seen that in Lamanga and then more recently a little bit in um, in Malaysia as well. Um, and I think I think the team's in a good place. Like Obviously, I think the next step for us is just working on our consistency because our performances are you know, a little bit up and down. And I think that happens when you're going through a phase of development. Um, but, we, you know, as we're as hopefully we can get a bit more consistent so that those performances, you know, win us a place in a World Cup or something similar. Yeah, I'm talking of which, of course, the global qualifier coming up this year at some point yep. and somewhere uh, yet to be yeah. confirmed. But I mean, a massive, massive opportunity there. And I mean, as we speak, the, the Women's World Cup's getting underway in New Zealand at the moment. Uh, what would it mean 
to get over that line for for us to to get to the final stage of a of a major tournament for the first time yeah i think it'd be huge i think it would be um you know great for 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 cricket like in scotland in general it will really put a a stamp on us getting you know full member status for cricket scotland um I don't think it's as far off as we think. Like when we were in, when was it, 2019 in Scotland? Um, you know, we had we were really disappointed that we finished where we did, and we thought that we would be, we we hoped to be a bit, bit better. Um, and I think that just shows that, like, at the time, even our skills were probably there. It was just, you know, the consistency and and maybe the belief that we didn't actually believe it. And I think a lot of us would have said we did going in, and you know, we thought maybe yeah, we could get there. But I think there's like a an underlying belief that has to be there. And I think maybe we do have that now. So hopefully this year could be the year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and how, you know, how close do you think you are is doing that? And obviously you saying this year, and that's so exciting. And what do you think the the biggest barrier to you getting across that line is? What do you think it is that you need to overcome? I think it is just, um, just playing more cricket at that level. And, you know, hopefully getting more games in ahead of these series to really prepare us. And I think even something like the Super Series was really valuable against going into the into the European qualifiers. But at the end of the day, like we're playing against each other and we train with each other. So I think the next step would be to have these series against teams that we're, we're maybe less, we've played less experience of playing. So we're not used to what they can come up with and, and learning, you know, how to play what's in front of us Um and play aggressively with something maybe we're less familiar with. And I think that's maybe the next challenge for us. Hannah Rainey, and our thanks to all of our guests who have helped us mark International Women's Day 2022 this year. Yes, indeed. But that's it from us for the moment. We'll be back very soon as the build-up to the new season begins. But until then, thanks as always for listening. Until the next time, from Rosie and me, goodbye.